Today, we are supported by my own programs, the Feminine Spirit School and my one-on-one coaching. If you're interested in starting your feminine and masculine embodiment journey, and you're semi-new to this kind of work, or you want to go deeper, then the Feminine Spirit School is your one-stop shop for all things femininity, masculinity, shadow work, ancestral healing. This is an eight-week program with seven different modules, one releasing every week with a break in between. This program is one of my best-selling courses and is available for you to purchase now. To get started today, go to mattymoon.com forward slash feminine dash spirit. And if you are ready for an even deeper dive, you can apply for my one-on-one coaching at mattymoon.com forward slash coaching. I've been coaching for nine years now. It is the bread and butter of the work that I do. My commitments are six months or 12 months, and we dive deep into the caves of your mysterious psyche, looking at how you want to create a life full of embodiment, devotion, intimacy, and sacredness. So if this feels like a journey for you coming up this year, 2021, you can go to maddiemooncom forward slash coaching to read all these beautiful testimonials and get more insight details into what's included. All right, let's head back to the show. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and you're listening to episode 330 with a very special guest, Mirabai Starr. She is the author of Wild Mercy, a book that is wildly amazing and will change your life. This book is all about feminine mystics and their fierce and their tender wisdom. And when I read this book, I was going through a pretty big time in my life. I think a, a lot of people could can resonate with that statement about this past year just being a big time in all of our lives. And it was like reading this book was like drinking a very tall glass of cool water after being in the desert for a very long time. It's like getting a glass of water, but also getting like a five-course meal and uh, a, a roof over the head and a warm blanket. Maybe one of those like nice aluminum blankets that the fire department brings you when it's an emergency, but but then like also getting like fuzzy socks. You, you know what I'm saying? It just was amazing, very comforting, um, a very wonderful experience reading this book was. And I'm very excited for you to be able to hear Mirabai and I's conversation today where we go deep into longing and feminine mysticism and religion and we even talk a little bit about our white privilege and being able to explore all of these religions and um, 
and how we can do it in a way that it's really, really respectful to their origins. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking here before uh, heading on over there. There's only one thing I want to do, and that is share with you the review of the week. And this comes from Pink Puppy 07 Heart full with five stars. I feel so validated when I listen to Madeline's show. All the questions I have, whether they are spiritual or kinky, she goes there. She goes deep. Maddie tells it like it is in a way that is so grounded, heart-led, and nourishing. I'm forever grateful for the random girl in a coffee shop that told me about the show. Six months in, and I downloaded every single episode and listened twice. Trust me, try the show and you'll see. She somehow discusses exactly the thing you've been Googling away at, and she feels like a friend you've had since you were five years old, playing at a tea party, then romping around like a powerful lioness pack. (laughs) She somehow helps you heal your inner child and feel seductive and powerful all in one episode. She's relatable and she'll help you understand you. Thanks for being Madeline. Sophia Spallino. Thank you, Sophia. Sophia is also a podcast host and a wonderful woman. And this review from her is touching some of the deepest places in my my podcasting heart, knowing that I can help you make help you feel kinky um, and like an inner child all at the same time. Like, what better? What better? What better way to 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 feel? Um, to feel all those parts of you. So thank you so much, Sophia, for those sweet words. All right, I'm I'm eager to get started. Um, the only thing that I want to share with you today is that the Feminine Spirit School, which is my, my signature course, it's an eight-week long course, and there are seven modules. And in this course, you move through embracing, learning, discovering, and uncovering your feminine, your masculine, your inner child, your ancestry, and the healing that is required in that arena, sexuality, sexual shame, um, the animalistic sides of you, all of that is included in in the Feminine Spirit School. This course is 75% off right now, (laughs) 75% off, so I've dropped the price drastically and it's um, $4.95. So if you are interested in doing one of my programs, one of my courses and being led through assignments, exercises, videos, practices, this is the place that I desire you to start because I created it in such a way that it takes you through an arc, a story. You start in one place and you end in, in another place and it's it's self-paced. You get one module per week. So in that regard, it is paced out for you. But once you have it, you have lifetime access. And I'm very excited that we've had quite a few people sign up um, since I dropped the price. And there's been some really lovely, beautiful results already from these practices. And if you would like to try a practice before jumping right on in, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash feminine. And there you will get one of the one of the practices from the Feminine Spirit School. It'll be a free practice for you to embody both your masculine and your feminine. So again, if you want to get a free practice, go to maddiemoon.com forward slash feminine, and you'll be able to instantly receive a practice that's going to engage both your masculine and your feminine. So if you want to feel what it's like to actually embody, not read about, not study, not know about, but use your body to inhabit the masculine and then use your body to inhabit the feminine, 
all in less than 20 minutes, then this practice is going to serve you very well, my friend. Last time, I'm going to read that. I'm just saying it three times in a row. MaddieMoon.com forward slash feminine. I just want to make sure that you remember. All right, so let's head on over to this magnificent, melt-worthy podcast chat with my, I can say now, friend, Mirabai Star. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 330 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. We are delighted today to be welcoming a guest who I have been keeping in my heart and my mind and my spirit, wanting to bring on to the podcast. And here we are today with Mirabai Starr, author of Wild Mercy. Oh my goodness. She is an award-winning author of creative nonfiction and contemporary translations of sacred literature. She taught philosophy and world religions at the University of New Mexico Taos for 20 years and now teaches and speaks internationally on con- contemplative <laughs> practice and inner spiritual dialogue. It's so fun to read words and then you're like, do I know this word? <clears throat> A certified bereavement counselor, Mirabai helps mourners harness the transformational power of loss. Her latest book is Wild Mercy, Living the Fierce and Tender Wisdom of the Women Mystics, and she lives with her extended family in the mountains of northern New Mexico. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, Mirabai. Thank you, Madeline. I'm really honored that you invited me. Hmm. Thank you. So this, your book, um, I bought it. I was on Amazon. I was like looking for the link for it to start sharing it out. And uh, it was like, you bought this of July of 2020. And um, I know someone else who had read this and posted it on their Instagram. And I saw it and I was like something about even before hearing her thoughts on the book or reading the book cover, I just saw Wild Mercy. And I was like, oh, I feel I feel very pulled. I don't know why, but my fingers are reaching towards the cart on Amazon and we are ordering this now. And uh, I didn't even read anything about it until it arrived in my hands. And um, when I got this book, I was going through um, last year, I was, I was living on an ayahuasca property and I was doing a lot of that around a lot of mother wound work. And in all my journeys, I felt a lot of feminine energy coming in and holding me. And I was, I was really tending to the garden of my, my feminine and, and mother wounds. It's my relationship with mother and, um, and, and nurturing and, and, and compassion and tender, tender energy. Mm-hmm. And I got this book during that time. And for whatever reason, I wasn't ready to read it yet, but it was on my nightstand for months, like just sitting right next to me as I was doing these journeys and uh, I was going through a very intense relationship. And then I ended up leaving the relationship, leaving the temple. And then that's when I read the book. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I drove from New York all the way to LA. I passed through New Mexico where you live. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this during that time, during my travels across the country and oh my god i was just like cry- i think i was crying in the first chapter and i don't do that from books often but even in your first chapter in your prose the the prose that you wrote 
um, I, it just, it brought me to tears. And I was like, this, this, uh, this woman is, uh, she is something else. She is an alchemist of many different sorts. And so I have been just like, this book is, it's just, it just keeps finding its way to different tables in my apartment, even though I've already read it. It just keeps like, I'll pick it up and I'll take it with me to the kitchen. And it'll just like, it's amazing. It's like, um, it's like a feminine Bible, honestly. Like it's just the, mm. the Bible of feminine beings and like your specific transmission of these stories. The stories are amazing, but the way that you write that contend to the sensory experience. Like I feel it in my body, the, the wisdom from these women. It doesn't feel like they are disconnected from me and just stories. Like it's like, oh, I, I feel the presence of these mystics in my body all of a sudden mm -hmm. because of your words. So all of that to say, I love this book. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a beautiful description. Yeah, it so, felt like a transmission. That's a good word. Mm, Transmission's a good word because that's what it felt like in my body as it was coming through. You know, since we're already on here uh, on, on this topic, I I'm I would love to know from you what it was like to write this book and how you protected the process because I'm a writer and I notice that sometimes when I read other things, I start to write like that author. So I've been trying to learn how, how to protect my own writing style when I'm working on books. And I'm curious for you, did you have to have any kind of container where you didn't read certain other authors or you didn't even read other books as you wrote this and you just focused on this or if there's anything unique around that process? Oh, what an interesting question, Madeline. Um, no, I don't protect myself from other writers' voices I guess I feel like my voice has always been a big part of, of um, my creative experience, like from young, early childhood. You know, I had the great good fortune of going to alternative schools in the 1970s when the emphasis on, on this kind of education was, was the arts and children finding themselves and expressing the whole person. And so I think that the adults around me always safeguarded our unique styles, you know, whether it was in the visual arts or um, writing. In my case, it was always writing poetry and, and you know, somewhat visual arts too and dance, but in uh, music, all of them. Uh, but yeah, so I've never worried about that. In fact, maybe that's part of my whole understanding of the, the fierce feminine is that there's only one of us and mm. it's not about women and men necessarily, although it does tend to um, shake out that way, but it's that my voice is part of everybody's voice and everybody's voice is part of my, so I have nothing to protect. I have nothing to protect. Mm because it's I, I feel like we're all in this together and and I'm pretty sure that my particular flavor is is the one that was given to me and I can rest in that mm. yeah. yeah I love reading women's memoirs I I mm. love reading me women's memoirs that's what I I read to refill my own cup do you have a couple favorites to recommend ah, let's see um I I've always loved one of my top favorites has always been in the body of the world by Eve Ensler. 
That's definitely up there at the very tip top. Um, and I love everything Anne Lamott writes, you know, Anne Lamott's um, short personal essays, Traveling Mercies and, and others. She's also my, my fa ah. favorite writer of book about writing, Bird by Bird. It's a wonderful book about writing that I think maybe addresses that. So Anne Lamott, yeah, she's, she is amazing. Okay. If you like it, I'm going to like it. I'm getting I think you will. She's very <laughs> funny too, which I really appreciate oh. the power of humor. Mm. I mean, I feel like you have that too, Madeline. You're, I mean, you're not like a stand-up comic, but you're, you're irreverent in the most reverent way. And I think that I love that. I, I get so tired of self-important spiritual people. <laughs> yes. Oh, I so, it feels so good. So nice to hear you say that. <laughs> it's so good to hear you say Yes. And thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That feels really good. Um, okay. So, you know, a standard question that I ask my guests and I would love to hear what's going on in your world right now is what is, what are you musing on? This is mind body musing. So mm -hmm. in life, what's really captivated your, your fancy? What's tickling mm. your fancy? Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Um, well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm writing a new book and it's about my mother. It's a memoir about my mother through my eyes, but it's what's making me so happy about it. Well, two things. One is my mom's 85 and she's in good health, but um, we're not able to see each other because of COVID, but we're talking on the phone a lot. And we have had some socially distanced um, visits in which I am recording her. I'm asking her questions and recording her. And so no matter what happens with the book, because only a fraction of that gets into the book, uh, these times with my mom and getting her stories, because she was, you know, an early feminist and early hippie and mm. artist and political activist, peace activist all these stories are precious and being with her is, has been such a gift. So that is really uh, on my heart as the thing that that's moving me. But what I'm really thinking about that is not making me happy, but that I really know I need to be thinking about since you asked is that everything that I've built my career on and that I've believed my whole life, which is about, the interconnected wisdom of all the world's spiritual traditions, you know, what some people call interspirituality, is, is uh, rooted in, in white privilege. <laughs> like I am really realizing that my entire life's work is, is a product of my white privilege. Hmm. So I have always encouraged people to do as I did in that alternative, you know, counterculture upbringing that I had, which was white privilege in itself, even though we lived in poverty, you know, we were off the grid, we were homesteading, we were living communally, um, we had nothing, you know, but it was a choice. My middle class parents chose to live that way. And all the other white middle class people in northern New Mexico going back to the land chose to live that way you know that was a choice and so I grew up drawing on all the wisdom streams of the world's great spiritual traditions and and so and I've taught that and I've written books about that and I have made money mm -hmm. with that message you know that's my thing 
And I am now during the last um, few years, but especially since COVID and this inter more internal time, I'm really questioning that. And because I am a public figure, I'm publicly questioning that, questioning my own privilege and, and inviting other, especially white people in white spiritual spaces to consider, you know, cultural appropriation when we're, we're doing the things that we do. You know, whether it's it's working with the chakras or smudging sage to purify a space or, you know, learning a Sufi zikr, you know, a chant and all of the, the things that we do that, that make us, so many of us feel so alive and so connected and feel respectful. But I'm asking us to check our privilege in, mm. in that. And I'm um, starting, of course, with myself. So that's what's up for me. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Um, um, yeah, the, the uh, with with this train of thought, I'm. You said that the Sufi uh, zikr is that what it is? Yeah, Sufi zikr. So, what is it around? Um, so, if we are going to be learning about these different traditions, and we're white folks, yeah, and we're. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by this because I've had an experience even, even yesterday, I have a friend who is um, Muslim and I bought this book. It's called something about divine love. And it's about, um, I mean, maybe you've even read it, but it's about um, how, how you can find God and deeper love through Islam. And I've been really interested in this for the first time in my life. I've been interested mm -hmm. in, in learning more about Islam and something about it. It, it, I'm not going into a white privilege guild like, oh, I, I'm the, being this girl who's getting this book is this terrible because I can I realize that's a way that I could get attention as being like, is this bad that I'm reading this book and I don't want to do that. But I have been even holding that book. I, I felt something that was like, what about this experience right now it is privilege that I want to be aware of and I don't mm -hmm. have the vocabulary for it or or the, even the the neural connections like this because I'm I'm just diving into this as well so I'm curious on what is that I don't know if the word is fine line but how as white people especially white women you know and in, in our life coaching world and and our Instagram stories talking about our new spiritual practices how do we hold the traditions with the utmost respect right. and and have curio curiosity but do it in a way that that you see where are we going like where are we mm -hmm. going as as um, observers of these traditions especially if we have an interest in in, in learning a prayer um, or having a, a tradition does that make sense? Yes, yes, totally. And I, I <laughs> okay. love to respond. Yeah, it's a great question and important one. Thank you for asking it um, with me. You know, we're asking this question mm -hmm. together. So one way is to enter into that practice, not even so much as an observer, but be willing to come undone, be willing to not know, and be willing to be transformed by the encounter. So that we're not just um, observing like, like we're window shopping. We're actually allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to be changed by that experience, whether it's a prayer or a, another kind of spiritual practice, a chant. 
So that's one thing is, is to be vulnerable and be willing to not know, um, to be willing to be changed. Mm. And that doesn't mean converted. I mean, except for a conversion of the heart, it, it means being willing yeah, to have our, whatever our belief systems may be dismantled in the fire of the love that we've come into proximity with. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Another is of course, to do it with respect and you, and you are, you know, I can see that you are even with that book, like here I am, name it to yourself. Or if you're doing it publicly, as I so often am, and you probably are too, to just say, you know, this is a, a beautiful book that I've come across, um, that it comes from, from a tradition that I, was not familiar with before this. And, and it's been such a powerful experience for me. And this is why, you know, and, and to name that it comes from, from this other culture, that's a bow, you know, it's like mm. bowing to it. And then I guess the third thing I would say is that if you are going to make money as a white person from your harvesting this fruit from another cultural tradition, that you also name name that with respect. I received this teaching from, you know, yeah. the Taos Pueblo people, and with the with the deepest gratitude and respect, I want to share it with you. Hmm. So I think naming and being honest about it, rather than I just discovered about this five thousand year old Vedantic tradition about chakras, and I'm I'm now an expert, and I'm going to charge you know, a lot of money for you to come to my little thing and, and learn about my very superficial understanding of this ancient wisdom tradition. So to be yeah. careful with how we as white people make, make uh, money literally financially benefit from other people's treasures. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean yeah. we can't incorporate them in, but to do so, to do so by naming it, respecting it and, and coming with that humility and vulnerability. That was a beautiful answer. Thank okay, you. I love long winded. Oh, oh, yeah, that was that was beautiful. And this, you give three different things, and it's. Um, I mean, this is this can be an, an uncomfortable topic, and I love that we're having it right now um, spontaneously because uh, it, I, you know, I know that I've I have my own so much white privilege, and I know that that comes through in different ways, and it's really beautiful to be able to look at the things that we're doing that like we love talking about religion and spirituality and, and where, where does it begin to lose the uh, respect for the, for the originations of it? One of the things that comes up for me is that, um, oh man, some people who follow me may not be happy to hear this because I'm sure many people are Reiki masters, but I think there is a, uh, a big lack of, like just a big problem with the way that Reiki masters is handed out from going to a three-hour workshop and you get mm. a certificate and that I that's one of those things that I've seen has been uh, commodified and, and it, yeah. I, I haven't done a workshop like that but it's never felt good in my body when I hear mm -hmm. the word master mm -hmm. and I've, I know people have gone to these workshops and it's a lot of times it is a three-hour thing where you sometimes just talk about astrology and then you leave as a master and then you know your people's bodies are now going to be in your hands and it's mm -hmm just an interesting thing that I, I definitely see a lot of that kind of um, Western society privilege as a whole mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. Good example. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So speak, okay. Speaking about religion, um, your book, wild mercy is full of gorgeous tradition, so much tradition and so much ritual. And I've noticed something in my own life. I was raised very, very Baptist, mm-hmm. Christian, conservative, but not just like Christian Baptist conservative. There was a lot of abuse in my household. So where one starts and where the other stops is, is something I've been pulling apart and therapy and my work is like really trying to understand. And I went to Israel uh, two years ago and I, I did some deep like Jesus healing work. Mm-hmm. And then this year has been a major year for Mary Magdalene work. And I've realized how she is like, like a, just an archetype and energy, a, a woman that I very much want to embody as, as being devotional. Her mm. service is just stunning to me. And so I've done a lot of healing around the, the Christianity, but if I'm being very honest, I've noticed this year that I'm starting to desire more uh, specificity in who I'm worshiping. I want to worship and I want to worship deeply and I want to have tradition and ritual. And it's a weird place to be. Like, I love that you talk about inner spirituality. Is that what you call inner spirituality? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's, it's working with the energy of all spirit as, as a whole, it feels like, but what happens if you're someone who wants it feels so funny saying this, but like, I want religion again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to know, I want specificity. Who am I worshiping and what is my practice and what is my prayer? Mm. And I'm in a place right now where I'm, I'm feeling a little lost and I, I love your book because it, it combines so much and it's so nourishing to my heart, but I'm curious what kind of what kind of insight or advice would you give someone who, who is actually hungry for, for a, a set path, at least ish, you know, not <laughs> yeah. any of the dogma, right. but ish, a set path, where would you recommend they start? <laughs> oh, that's go? a wonderful question. Yes. A, a more specific spiritual tradition minus the dogma and fundamentalism. Yeah, that's, that's really valid. You know, I, I think that people have different temperaments. This is in Hinduism. It's, it says that we all have these sort of different temperaments. So the different yogas are appropriate for different people. Like karma yoga would be more for the more active service oriented people. And bhakti yoga would be more for the Mm -hmm. devotional, emotional people and so on. But also there are different stages of our, our lives. I think when we're, as you are, hungry for different things and our souls are are asking for those things if we can only listen as you seem to be for instance um you know and i also think that some people are temperamentally inclined to draw on many different spiritual traditions i think that's me mm-hmm. i i have a hard time with specificity it makes me feel trapped and it makes me feel like the vastness the the vast mystery is being bottled up and and um, so it's, it's hard for me to pick one. And yet I have gone deeply into multiple different spiritual traditions. And I think that 
to to find one that resonates with you, like the fact that you're drawn to Mary Magdalene right now, for instance, you, Madeline, I mean, I know people listening are also going, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm wondering what that thing is that I can give myself to at this point in my life. I would follow that Mary Magdalene prompt in your soul and see where it leads. She's so rich and there are so many people doing great work around her, people doing shitty, weird work around her too. But I trust our, yours, mine, and and all of you listening, our kind of inner honing device that knows bullshit from the the real pure truth. <laughs> and And so... To, to just like listen to those promptings, explore what resonates with it and discard the 80% that doesn't. Um, you know, for me, I very early in my life at, at age 14, approximately, certainly by 15, I had connected with a guru, Neem Karoli Baba. And Neem Karoli Baba, for those who are not familiar with him, is Ram Das's guru, Ram Das, who wrote the iconic book, Be Here Now, and Krishna Das, who is a chant, you know, internationally renowned chant uh, master. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's find a better, less patriarchal word for what he does. And artist, chant artist. Mm. And so, and so Neem Kroli Baba is his guru too. And so from a very young age, I was hanging out with those guys and resonating so deeply with this particular being what we call Maharaji. And all these years later, I'll be 60 soon, not that soon, but this year. And he's still my guru. So, and I was given my name Mirabai then by Ramdas at that same time. And when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a big lineage for me, you know, and it's the thing that I love about this lineage, and you really feel it when you do chanting, and for those of you who are familiar with Krishnadas or, or Deva Pramal or you know, uh, Sanatam Kar, many, many chant artists these days that we can tune into, something changes in our hearts, in our brain chemistry, in our bodies. It's a very embodied practice when we chant the, the divine names. And it is a bhakti yoga practice. It's a devotional practice. So it's a beautiful one, chanting in any of the spiritual traditions, but um, this is one that seems to be really accessible and really resonating with a lot of Western people is kirtan is what it's called, right? Kirtan, chanting in the, in the Hindu tradition. It doesn't mean you have to turn into a Hindu, um, but it means with respect, we approach this ancient wisdom tradition and, and eat those delicious fruits and allow them to nourish and transform us. Why? So that we can get personally enlightened. Well, that's, that would be nice, but I don't believe in that. Um, I do believe in getting more awake, having our hearts open more. But for me, the primary reason to eat these fruits is so that we can be strong enough to be a source of nourishment in the world so that we can step up and offer ourselves as you are, Madeline, and so many of you who are listening are doing in your individual lives, you know, we're doing these practices, we're connecting with these ancient wisdom streams so that we can grow a robust soul to meet these times when we are needed. We are going to take a brief break in this 
epic podcast to speak about today's sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your absolute best today and supports you in the long term. I love, love, love Care Of. They sponsored a show, I think a year or maybe even a year and a half, two years ago. And ever since I discovered them, I've been using their personalized vitamin packs like nobody's business. They come in these super easy to consume packets. They have your name on it. It's really adorable. Every day I wake up and I open my little vitamin packet that says, hi, Madeline, and it has all my vitamins ready to go inside. One thing I really appreciate about Care Of is that all of the ingredients are very good for you and they're super transparent about all of the research and the science and the sourcing that they're doing behind the vitamins that you're consuming. Additionally, Care Of has you go through an in-depth five minute, super easy online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and any health concerns that you may be wanting to address. Their holistic online quiz is like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without having to leave your house and without having to actually talk to anybody, which many of us have discovered we prefer. Um, When I was going through my perioral dermatitis, my skin issues, I was tailoring my vitamins to be around skincare and that supported my, my skin journey last year with my major skin and face concerns. And I've also transitioned now recently to more of a digestion focus. So no matter what you're moving through or what you're going through, Care Of's quiz can be tailored and customized to help support whatever focus you have with your health. So if you are ready to make your vitamin plan super simple, super easy, and all in one, so you're not ordering from all these random different stores online and everything is out of sync. So one time you get this 30-day supply and then this 60-day supply. If you're ready to be done with that and have everything be super cohesive, then I invite you for 50% off your first care of order to go to takecareof.com and enter the code MOON50. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code MOON50. That's lowercase moon 50. You will not regret it. Your skin will not regret it. Your body will not regret it. Your digestion will not regret it. Go enjoy that and let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm I'm um I'm I'm trying to find this beautiful I was listening to a podcast that you did an interview that you did um earlier today and you said individual liberation is a meaningless concept to the feminine. Mm. And I wrote that down and I was like I got to bring this up at some point and right now is the perfect time because mm-hmm. I'm I'm connecting the dots here around you said that you know the, the vastness the specificity isn't isn't as desirable because the vast mystery and all the different traditions that are available and all the ways we can create a robust, rich, fruitful life here, um, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, I definitely resonate with that a lot because having even a label of I am this inherently is me, you know? And so if you, if your mission here is to be here as a a part of the collective and doing this kind of healing work for the world 
it goes above and beyond what you identify as for like religion, like in, a, in that kind of ways. I hope that I'm explaining it well, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm realizing how beautiful that is and how religion often can be a way that we are clinging to something for me and mm-hmm. I. And in some way it's beautiful because it's grounding. It's grounding yeah. and it's, it's respect and it's a path. And I know any monk would say like it, it, it's, it's, it takes discipline and it's really a being of meticulous service. And there's something so beautiful about that in a world that is obsessed with Amazon Prime and fast food and go, go, go and swipe culture. That kind of devotion is Mm. remarkable and it's not Mm. found often, but there's a way, and you are a beautiful example of this, that we can have that devotion to the spirit, the great spirit and the many manifestations. And there can still be that, that form of discipline, but with all of us. Discipline, but with all of it, right. It's this path of love is not a fluffy feel good. I mean, it does make me feel wonderful, but it's not about just getting the, the hit, you know, and, and leaving the hard stuff. It's, it's a rigorous demanding path to be able to say yes to the presence of the sacred across the landscape of the spiritual traditions in such a way that, as I said earlier, we, it really changes us and transforms us. But what I want to clarify, Madeline, is that I'm not saying that picking one path is, is inherently not, not good. It's just my temperament seems to be incapable of doing it because it feels like I'm picking one to the exclusion of all the others that I've fallen in love with. But for many people, Mm. it's really a wonderful choice. And to sink your roots deep into a particular spiritual tradition, like, like that bhakti yoga tradition of chanting the sacred names and kirtan and having a guru, that's a big part of my path. It's definitely one of my primary paths. And I couldn't imagine life without having deeply connected with that particular wisdom tradition. It's in many ways, it's home base that and Judaism, my ancestral tradition, which my parents rejected, but I reclaimed, mm. you know, is mm. really important to me The the high holy days in the fall are the, I look forward to it all year long because it's so fucking holy. I feel every cell of my body recalibrated in those 10 days that what they call the days of awe. You know, it's such Mm. a powerful um, lineage to be connected to. So don't get me wrong. I am all for deeply connecting with with a particular wisdom tradition. And I've had certain contemplative um, Christian teachers, for instance, tell me who are in the interspiritual arena like I am, that they feel that that their deep Christian contemplative roots make them naturally open to all the other world wisdom Mm -hmm. traditions you know so a a deep christian can chant a a sufi zikr and not be afraid and feel even more deeply connected to god uh, by doing so in fact i think the one person i'm thinking of who told me uh, this said i've never met anyone who wasn't deeply rooted in their own spiritual tradition that wasn't naturally interspiritual because it just opens your heart when you're so connected Mm -hmm. So there's room for all of us is what I'm trying to say Mm. in different times of our lives. So doing like going for the chanting in the, in the Hindu tradition right now, whether you're a singer or not might be exactly the thing 
that your soul is is hungry for because it opens that devotional heart. But there are there are many many ways to say yes to those promptings. I love that you keep bringing up bhakti and chanting because that is for me my primary path to feel is connected. it? Yay. It is. I have a harmonium on its way. Because um, oh, I've decided exciting. I want to play on my own. Yeah, because before before everything happened with the coronavirus, there's a there's a bhakti center in in New York because I actually lived in Brooklyn before I moved here. Oh. And um, every Tuesday and Thursday they held kirtan, and I'd never been before until mm-hmm. I moved. And I had a friend who helped run the center, and she just welcomed me in and was like, "Come on Tuesday, I'll introduce you to some, some cool people. We'll sing." And I'd never done it before, and I went in, and it was just ecstatic joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone singing and dancing and people at the end when the when the music goes really really fast people are standing up as if they're truly drunk on the divine like you know when when i imagine like um irishmen in a pub and their arms are on their shoulders and then they're like (laughs) doing like these kicks together and they're just jumping all around like super drunk and singing their irish songs it like (laughs) feels like that in Mm. a really lively kirtan studio space just people get up and their arms are on their shoulders and they're screaming and they're joyful and they're so happy. And it's so liberating and gorgeous. And that, that I I had no idea how singing in that way was such a prayer, you know, for, for me, the only singing I knew was the kind that I I grew up on and in a, a massive, massive church, with the projectors and the flashing lights. It was called Mm. Six Flags Over Jesus, the church that I went to. And it was, um, you know, it was more going to church was more of punishment. And that's kind of how God was um, used in my life is is Mm. reward and punishment. God loves you for this, doesn't love you for this, you know. And so I had a very confusing relationship with God for so many years as well as singing. I hated singing, Mm. hated it. I hated the songs. And even mm. when I, when I think about, I have a, a very deep nervous system response when I even think about Christian singing and hymns, mm. which one day will hopefully be healed. But it was so nourishing for me to find this kind of chanting, mm. a kind of chanting I wasn't allowed to do when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed to say, Om. I wasn't allowed to hug a tree. I yeah. wasn't allowed to have a peace sign in my life. I or with my fingers or so many things I wasn't allowed to do because that's where the devil lived. <laughs> like wow. there's so much like there's so much in there. And 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 of course, like what I where I feel the most expression and expansion is with nature. It's with the tree. It's with peace. It's with love. It's with um it's many of the the Hindu deities have, have been really quite healing for me to re- observe with respect mm-hmm. i really love that we're bringing in this respect piece because it's not about owning and claiming and mine it's about seeing and respecting and bowing and praying and um i'm just really i, I also want to just point out the last part you said there about anchoring in something gives you that freedom to welcome in all and i think that's more of what i'm craving is anchoring in one of them and having then it brings me more spaciousness with all the rest I think that is what you're craving. And I would trust that. I trust that in you. And and I hope you trust that in yourself, all of you who are feeling what Madeline's feeling, because I know that we, um, so many of us resonate with each other. When these things arise in one of us, they're often arising in many of us. 
Yeah. So I have another question for you around your relationship mm-hmm. to the divine, to the beloved. Mm-hmm. Do you see the beloved as like, you know, in, in, in Baki, there's, it talks about like the seven different ways that we relate to other as if it's um, student to guru, if it's uh, this to this, this to this, I can't remember any of the other ones besides <laughs> lover to lover. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if your relationship with the divine feels like, feels like husband a bit, feels like mm-hmm. lover, feels like partner and shine. Do you have mm-hmm. that element in your, you know, and not only just the, the student to the big teacher of all teachers, mm-hmm. but lover? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> and I've written a lot about mm-hmm. this and spoken a lot about this in my work that because I, I started off my spiritual path being named Mirabai. And Mirabai was a 16th century saint in India who was a poet, an ecstatic love poet, who was in love with Krishna, the god of love. And I received that name because I I played the the role of Mirabai in a school musical that we wrote based on a comic book from India about the life of, of Mirabai. And another comic book about Krishna, the deity, the, the blue-skinned flute-playing god of love. <laughs> and, um, and when I performed in this play, uh, I, I was actually the end of my 13th year, I was about to turn 14, my first love, my boyfriend, Philip, had just been killed in a gun accident, um, shooting at coyotes who were chasing their family's chickens here in northern New Mexico, the, the outback, what do we call it, the, the Wild West. And so I was completely shattered by this death of my first love, my, my beloved. And so that hooked me right into this Mirabai thing. When I played the role of Mirabai, I, I felt inhabited by this, this um, being from, you know, 500 years ago who had given up everything, given up a life of privilege, actually, wealth and privilege to just throw off her sandals and travel around northern India playing her one-stringed instrument, the ektara, and singing these spontaneous love songs to Krishna. So this is my, this is my um, lineage, hmm. is that, is to see the divine as beloved, as lover, and it's intermingled longing and ecstasy, because it's, it's the, the fire of, of longing, the, the, the burning yearning for the one who is just out of our grasp, who touched us and then disappeared setting us on fire. And it's also these moments of rapture when Mm. we melt into (laughs) that which we long for and there's no longer any separation. Mm. And so my, my whole spiritual life is this kind of dance between, between longing and, and communion and the communion has become more and more quiet and less and less dramatic. So it's also enabled me to have a human relationship with a human dude, my husband, that feels healthy and grounded and free of those kind of supernatural expectations that I used to foist upon my human lovers being Mirabai in love with Krishna, and they never measured up. Yeah. 
So now I'm, uh, I'm assuming that when you feel earthly longing, when you're longing for your husband when he's on a trip or you're longing for him to say one extra, I love you. Do you feel that that, like, do you have almost like a nervous system response where you just now know, like it's an ethereal longing too. Like your earthly longing is really an ethereal longing for the, the divine. Maybe so. That's a, that's a really good question. What I will tell you is I almost never resent him or feel like he's not giving me what I want. I think there are two reasons for that. One is he's an incredibly good guy (laughs) who is really (laughs) loving and devotional and also very strong and solid. You know, he's like a great tree under which I take shelter. Hmm. Um, So he's, so he's very good at being a partner, but I think it's also because I feel so held by my divine beloved that I don't need that. It frees me. My relationship with the divine frees me to not put that on Gangadas, my my husband. Um, but it took me a few practice relationships, including a, a temporary husband before. <laughs> I found this. And, and so I think it's the, it's a combination of his, the work he did on himself and the work I did on myself and just the, the maturing of my spiritual life. Yeah. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. I I know that's going to resonate so deeply with my listeners because the longing is so real, you Mm -hmm. know, for all sensitive feminine beings, the longing is so real. And it's, I think it's one of the things that we have we as women living in this patriarchal society have been the hardest on ourselves for mm-hmm. longing is just like, you know, if we're not trained how to be with our longing, then yeah, we end up projecting it onto our partners. And then if they don't know what's going on either, mm-hmm. I think there's projection back. And then so many women feel like they're crazy mm-hmm. for wanting more. But as one of my teachers, John Wineland says that all women, all feminine beings, I'll say, have a, um, a, a bottomless pit for something. Like mm-hmm. there, it's just never enough for something, which is what's so magical about us is that we're mm-hmm. so like more, more, mm-hmm. more love, more this, more devotion, more ecstasy. And so the longing, there's also like a bottomless pit of longing, which can feel so, so tender and, and sad and hard if we don't have an understanding of what it's there for and how we can tend to it. And these practices of having a a lover to lover connection with the divine and having ritual and having um, just knowing, having a knowing that your longing is for a bigger longing Mm. is such a um, exquisite and powerful gift to have that kind of wisdom and knowledge going, oh, that's my heart craving the divine to fill me. That's what that is. And it's not crazy and it's not needy. It's yeah. It's into me. It's my sensitivity. It's it's how I stay devoted. I'm so glad you're saying this. Cause I, you know, one of one of my sayings I, that I hear coming out of my mouth a lot is let's reclaim longing. Mm. It's been it's been villi- vilified, you know, for the, all the reasons you're saying. And I, and I guess the only other thing I want to say about that is it's not like um, the longing for God is higher than the desire for 
our physical partners. They, they're they a little bit different, but they're both holy for me. Mm. Yeah, I love that word holy. It's such a great <laughs> word. So beautiful. So as we come up here, I could talk to you forever, forever. <laughs> but as we come up on our time here, um, I just had a, a little hopefully a brief question for you. And I, I want to know which, which feminine mystic feels the most present in your life right now. Mm. You know, I, for years, it's been Teresa of Avila, Santa Teresa de Avila, the sixth, also 16th century um, saint from Spain, who was a, a crypto Jew, a hidden Jew, you know, mm. who was forced, her family was forced to convert during the, Inquisition, conversos. And I've translated her from Spanish to English. Spanish is my second language. And, and she has been a, a tia for me, an auntie, a, a guide, a best friend. Um, and, I, and I feel like in many ways she's, I think I even said it in Wild Mercy, like the matron saint of that book, because all my investigations of the women mystics and sages, contemporary and, and historic and ancient. Um, so she's, she's the one holding my hand as I do that. She's also the one who held my hand when my, when my daughter died. My 14-year-old daughter, Jenny, was killed in a car accident um, just after my first book came out, which happened to have been a translation of Dark Night of the Soul by John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila's um, protege, let's call him. And I just uh, signed a contract to translate her, to translate the interior castle. And she saved my life, you know, during that time, she helped me bear the unbearable. And so I think in many ways, I can't shake that primary connection with her. She's still my girl, you know, she's still the one that walks with me. And she's so rich and fruitful for these times. Like she was feisty. She was irreverent. She was deeply devoted. She was gregarious and outgoing and um, inappropriate and also cultivated this, this um, stillness that you can taste when you, when you mm, meet her through through her books, but see the thing for me about books is they're they're just like conduits for the real thing, or not. Some of them are not, but some of them are. Mm. So it's like you can say to people, "Well, you can't get it from a book, but you can. Something can happen. Some transmission. Well, you expressed it with wild mercy. A transmission can come through the written word that then is beyond the written word, and that's how Saint Teresa is for me." And how I want how I want her to speak to everyone because she's so amazing. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of her until I read your book, and it's in mm-hmm. my it's on my list to to get the translation that you wrote because I'm very intrigued by her and, mm-hmm. and all that all that you share about how she's she's alchemized something within you, and you just can't shake her. <laughs> it's really yeah. beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that, and um, you have an audio book coming out of, of Wild yes. Mercy. So can you tell us more about that? 
Oh, thank you for asking, Madeline. So yes, on, on January 26th, and I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, those of you who are listening, uh, but so it may already have happened. Um, Wild Mercy audio is coming out. I narrated it in my own voice, and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life was recording this book. Hard to explain uh, what happened for me. It was as if I hadn't read it and I was receiving it. And I love reading. I love reading aloud. Grew up without television and lots of siblings and friends. And I was always the designated reader. And um, mm -hmm. and so it, the music of, of the language really comes through, I think, in this recording. It's... Um, I'm super excited about it. And, and many people are listening to audiobooks now. It's a it's really a blossoming way to, to connect. So I hope that you will get your hands on it. It's not expensive. Oh, great. I will make sure I have the link to that in the show notes for this. And mm -hmm. I so agree. I, I, my favorite, I, I love listening to, you know, this is kind of a a memoir in some ways, but yeah. like, I, I love listening, especially when the author reads it herself. It's mm -hmm. just really nourishing to my soul to hear it. So this out of all the books that I read last year, this is the book. So mm -hmm. everyone listening to this, you must get it, whether you get the audiobook or you get the hard copy or you get both. <laughs> um, so I'll make sure I have the links for that. And is there anything Thank else you. coming up that you want everyone to know about or where they can find you and where yeah. they can find you? Thank you. Um, I, it, my website, mirabystar.com, you know, or just Google me and you'll find lots of things uh, in this COVIDian age as um, some, somebody said, I forgot who it's where <laughs> I'm, where I'm meeting with people is, is online in primarily on zoom. So yeah, feel free to check out the events page of my website. There are a lot of things coming up. Beautiful. Again, I'll have those links on there. Y'all can just thank easily you. click that in the show notes. Uh, Mirabai, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I could truly talk to you for just days and days and days, which just probably means at some point, maybe we can do part two. Mm. Um, but thank you so much for your, for your, for your wisdom and your writing and your, your presence with your presence with us today. Um, so appreciate it. Thank you, Madeline. It's been such a joy to be with you. Great questions. And also just to connect with you. You're mm. definitely my heart sister. Mm. Oh, thank you. I feel the same way. So everyone, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash mirabai dash star. And that's with two R's to get the show notes for this. This is episode 330 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. You can let us know your thoughts on Instagram or on the show notes. Otherwise, we will see you next week for another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.